0: Hey everyone! It's that time of year again. Game of Thrones is coming back. Depending on when you're listening to this, it's probably only about a week or even a couple of days. And of course, the hype is big. Everyone's excited. You know, I've noticed that HBO is hardly uh, isn't advertising as much as they as they were before. There's, there's lots of trailers and teasers, but it's like they don't have to advertise the show. As a thing, it's like oh, everyone's everyone knows Game of Thrones is coming back. It's just a matter of when and you know, what you're going to do to get ready. So we've got a couple of things planned, we've got a big episode here, and we're going to be t- doing a lot of things to prepare for the season, we've got a couple of different episodes scheduled, we're going to talk about spoilers, we're going to talk about non-spoilers, we're talking about all, all, all sorts of different things as we approach the last few days here before the show starts. So, welcome again to another episode of the History of Westeros podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Song of Ice and Fire book series. As well as HBO's Game of Thrones, which of course is our focus today. Season 5, the first big deviation from the books. It it almost feels like... All of us are unsullied now, Sean. Uh, welcome back to the show, Sean. It's been—we uh, ha- Everybody uh, had a great response to you being on the show last year. Now we're a lot bigger, and we're a lot better. Is everyone going to give a good response there's, to Casanova there's a lot on the show? There's <laughs> lots of cats coming in, we've got special guests, <laughs> and everyone wants to talk about what's going to happen in the show, and everyone wants to, t- one wants to talk about how Tormen Giants band got on my chest as well, so lucky Sean, guy. Uh, it's good to have you back. I'm sure you're excited for season five as well. Uh, nah,
1: I don't really care about this. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of ain't going along. Whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, who cares? It's just another episode. And it's just another season of the most popular show in the history of HBO. It's past The Sopranos. It's past True Blood. It's past all these things. It's a, it's, it's a phenomenon as much as it is a TV show. I remember back when it was just something people talked about as an idle possibility. Um, Oh, maybe one day there'll be... Wouldn't it be nice if there was a Game of Thrones TV show? A (laughs) Song of Ice and Fire on TV? Oh, that'll never happen. It's so big. Well, here we are on season five of that dream. And like I said, there is going to be some serious deviations from the books. We're not going to talk from a book reader's perspective in this episode. This is going to be about what's coming, about predictions, about analysis of the trailers... Like I said, we're going to do a couple of different episodes building up to the season, and we're going to focus on analyzing the spoilers and things that we know are coming and things that we... leaks and things that we know about the script. We're going to cover that in a different episode. So this episode is all about just analyzing the trailers, basically spoiler-free. We're not going to get into any hidden details... We're going to talk about what's coming, we're going to make predictions, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Other episodes, we're going to get into spoilers, we're going to relate things to the book, we're going to talk about changes, we're going to talk about the books passing, or the show passing the books. So much to talk about, as you can see. And and just this concept of spoilers right now is confusing. What is a spoiler with the books and the show being different animals, but having a lot in common, but diverging? It's... It's really unique what do you make of it as, as someone who has has well yeah actually let me interject before I finish that question Sean has started reading the series he's only he's read the first book he finished, finished the first book just recently that's right and we're going to talk about that separately we maybe we're probably even going to have it have that as an, as an episode because it's a really fun thing to talk about uh, comparing the show to the book and things that you've you've, you've taken on um, and and ha- the fact that you watch the show first then reading the books that's another perspective that a lot of people are going to be interested in. Uh, So we'll, we'll be covering that, uh, in a separate episode though. Just something to get you a little excited about that. Uh, for now, uh, let me, let me go ahead and get that question out that I was just starting a second ago. What do you make of it as uh, from your perspective, the, 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 the the comparison of spoilers to non-spoilers, what, what, what do we do about all this? How do we, how do we manage this?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if I, uh, am lucky or just manage everything perfectly randomly, but I rarely have trouble with stuff getting spoiled for me, um. Uh, on some level I've kind of I talk about media with my friends a lot and I've seen most things but things I haven't seen I try to warn people hey I've only seen season one of Breaking Bad or whatever I haven't read the books of Game of Thrones I like to talk about it and one one belief I have not that I think things should be spoiled but I think and and there's counters at this point but I think fundamentally if something can be spoiled if you can find out what's going to happen, and that means it's ruined, that's kind of what the word spoil means, right? Yeah. Then it wasn't really that good in the first place. I think that if I knew going in to to Game of Thrones that Ned got killed at the end of season one or book one, I don't, oh, well, it's not worth it now. There's still (laughs) it's so, so rich with characters and plot lines, and knowing what's going to happen is not as important as how it happens, why it happens, how people feel about it happening, you know? And um, That's true. So i have that one take on spoilers in general i think i despite not being too worried about it i feel like game of thrones and really quality uh literature and film even if you know what's going to happen that doesn't truly spoil it but i still i still don't want to know the ending I, i there is some element of value even if the whole thing isn't ruined you might lose some portion of value by it being spoiled um but uh i think i just am careful like don't look at the wrong thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, warn people, you know, that you don't want to be spoiled. And um, sometimes I, uh, I have to be careful what questions I ask to. I'm like real curious, and I want to give you a lot of credit, Zees and a few other of my close friends that are really into Game of Thrones, for filling me in on background because there's so much to it without letting me know what's going to happen next. Uh, and, in fact, without going on too much of a tangent, there were several times in a book when a scene happened. I was like, oh, that's neat. It's different from a the show. They didn't... We didn't see this or we didn't learn about that or skip that part. Then way later in the book, a character would reflect back on a scene. i like, <laughs> oh, okay, it did happen in the book just <laughs> in a different moment, you know? Yeah. Um, you so cover
0: things in different ways. Right. a difference in medium, yeah.
1: So, you know, uh, and in certain ways I might have been spoiled and in certain ways it might have even made it better for me. For example, I have several good friends that I think of as good people who thought of Jamie Lannister as one of their favorite characters and like... Well, my friends aren't evil. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, why do they like Jamie so much? So I kind of went in. He was presented as a villain, but I still kind of went in suspicious. I was like, ah, is he really? Well, there's got to be another side of this coin. I want to see how it's going to play out. And I think Martin also does a lot of that in general, kind of pinning something in a certain light. And later on, you kind of reevaluate it. A lot of characters are great. It's hard to say who's good or bad. And um, so uh, certain, you know, having an idea in your mind, you know, I, I even feel like, even if no one tells you, you kind of see it coming. There's going to be dragons. You know, the mm-hmm. name of the second book is Dance the Dragon. Maybe it's an illusion, but she's got these eggs. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't make it not interesting knowing what's yeah. going to happen. Although it is fun to predict, and if you know what someone told you, you don't get to predict at it, I suppose. But um, Yeah, it's,
0: it, I would say that, for me, one of the biggest pieces of evidence for what you're saying is just how many times people re-watch the show or reread the books or, yeah. Yeah. or go through the same information they've gone through so many times. Uh, of course, I've, gone through the books as many times as anyone and obviously I'm not surprised every time I'm like wow Ned's head got cut off oh my god I, you know that that only happened the first time <laughs> yeah. and, but it's still great the second and third times, it's just you lose the surprise value but there's still so much to it besides the surprise value and that's one thing I don't understand is is like you said if, if you're only interested in these surprises and the shock value then I guess i I, I, I'm, I question that that the person who says that is really that big a fan in the first place a uh, interesting piece of news. Speaking of how big the show is as a phenomenon, there is talk that they're going to extend the number of seasons. I'm not sure how they would do that, but there's there's hints <laughs> that they'll do as many as ten, which mm-hmm. is just kind of boggles the mind. Uh, had they announced that several seasons ago, it would make more sense because they've they you know they didn't they would they would have things that they haven't covered yet but now they've already skipped over so many things it's yeah. not like they can go back especially and like aging things. children you can't uh, exactly I so, don't know
1: I, don't, I wasn't aware of this I don't uh, pay because I'm worried about spoilers I don't pay attention to a lot of the kind of uh, peripheral media around Game of Thrones but uh, but I can imagine I've, I've had this thought about Star Wars they could just make infinite movies they could yeah. just have mm-hmm. the origin story of Darth Maul could be just a whole other trilogy it could have, mm-hmm. it could have so much they could, there's a lot the world is so rich the characters are so rich I'm sure there's stories we get of past, you know, Kingsguard, Aegon, the the original Mm -hmm. Conqueror. They could, I don't know if that's their plan, but I can imagine they could easily make 10 seasons out of this. There's been
0: talk of adapting the Duncan Egg novellas or doing something like a Robert's Rebellion series or something like that. How cool would that be?
1: Cast a young Ned Stark and a young Robert Baratheon, you know, yeah, big, oh, big yeah. stars involved or whatever. I mean, Everyone so, out
0: there, cross your fingers. We need the collective power of finger crossing to make this happen. Uh, only, you got to really want it. You got to yeah, you really got to want it. Okay, so let's talk specifics. Let's talk about season five. That's a, that's a good lead in, but let's get down to the nitty gritty. we've we've looked a lot at the trailers. There's a lot to be seen there. There's a lot to be confused by. There's a lot to guess at, and there's a lot to predict. And there's a lot. To be, there's a few things to be a little worried about. First thing, uh, let's talk about a couple of new uh, actors and actresses that have been added to the show, and some new characters. Some are characters that people are familiar with, and some look like they'll be a bit different from their book counterparts, which is puts us all in the same in all on the same place with regards to being able to guess what is going to happen. Which is that we have no idea. Uh, one of the main additions, probably the most famous actor that's added to the cast. Would be Jonathan Price, who is in been in a lot of films in his career. I should have should have come up with a list here to name some of his famous. I remember him particularly from the movie Ronin. And Was he the character in the trailer that's
1: in like a brown yes, like a monk thing new, talking to yeah, Cersei? Apparently
0: okay. he's taking over as the High Septon, which and the High Septon hasn't really been a character to this point. And Let's talk about for a minute why, first of all, this is uh, where the history angle comes in. Real quick, I
1: don't want to derail you, but I wanted to point out, isn't the actress from the movie Whale Rider? Isn't she playing one of the Sand Snakes? You're listening yes. to other uh, yes. people cast for this. Uh,
0: yes, there's 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 several. The Sand Snakes, who are the daughters of uh, Oberyn Martell, are, are cast as well. But we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, they're less famous as far as their, you know, their what screen time they've had in before. It's it's rare to see someone who's well known get added to the show. But there's two pretty well known actors being added to the show this season, and I guess that's part of the function of the show just being larger in general, attracting even higher grade of, of celebrities. And I don't mean higher grade as in they're higher quality. I just mean that they have more, uh, they're more famous. Which of course, famous doesn't mean better, more town, more talented. It, just means more famous. <laughs> so, Jonathan Pryce, like I was saying, who's in the movie Ronan, that's the thing I know him most from. And he is just really good at being sanctimonious and intense. And I'm really looking forward to him playing a religious role. Now, like I said, a little background on the Seven Kingdoms and <coughs> the faith and the, 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 the worship of the Seven. Religion hasn't played... A huge role in the TV show so far. There has been some important religious things. Most importantly, of course, is Melisandre, who is... We'll just call her a zealot to keep things simple. She's the most probably religious character on the show. Uh, there aren't a lot of, you know, priest-type characters that Tyrion. Seen. Tyrion's very religious. <laughs> <laughs> and... But, that, but with all the war ravaging the country and people are displaced from their homes and there's starvation and just so much despair, that's when religion starts to come, become more important. But there's more to it than that. There's also the fact that certain things that the royal family has been accused of are very big problems for the faith. And in particular, I'm referring to incest. Uh, there's a long history of incest being a big problem. It was a big problem for the Targaryens, but they just kind of were above everyone. They were able to kind of just power their way through it, and people didn't like it, but, hey, we're the Targaryens. You can't stop us. X problem plus dragons equals not a big problem. Exactly. That's pretty (laughs) much it. Even after the dragons died out, well, people had already gotten used to it by then. Even though people didn't like it, it was too late for... Enough time had passed for people to want to go to war over it. it the tradition kind of, of their
1: boring. authority was too entrenched.
0: Exactly. So now we see hints through the trailers that it looks like religion is going to become a bigger part of things. In the trailer, we see very powerful hints of of what the faith is going to do this season. We see... A group of, we see Cersei and Tommen walking with the King's Guard, and a group of faithful stop them. Like, whoa, you're stopping yeah, the King yeah. and Queen walking, and the Queen Regent walking through King's Landing. You don't, people don't do that. That's a big Some deal. Some sort of power play, yeah. Yeah, you, and we also see a scene that's very, very, uh, I don't know what the right word to use here. It's it's really, I don't want to say enticing or intriguing, but it's just something that I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But it, what it looks like is. Loras sitting with uh, sitting in a kind of like he's being interviewed or or almost uh, questioned, and the High Septon is standing there, and some of the uh, the Tommen is sitting there, and Cersei is sitting there, and Olena is sitting there, and the High Septon is clearly presiding over things, and that already sh- you know shows more power that he's gained or that he has taken, and it looks like the person that they're that is talking to the group is the the brothel the the boy the the young man who's in the brothels olivar the one that oberon says oh you're on the menu too that that guy the same one who loris has already had a relationship with well put two and two together it looks like loris is gonna get outed for his homosexuality and i guess the faith has a problem with that and copying medieval if it's just a parallel to you know real world medieval history obviously homosexuality was very frowned upon in such an era and if and in Martin's world it seems to be similar that they I mean, you know people just that's considered wrong or sinful whatever the equivalent is I don't I don't think they would I don't know if sinful is the word they would use but whatever the Westerosi equivalent is and it, it and then the, the, it's it's, two, it's like a one second scene, but at the end of that one second, Sir Loris just jumps out of his chair and tries to attack Oliver during this little trial type thing. So, I think it's a pretty safe guess that that's what's happening. Uh, what, what what do you think about that? What is that? I I didn't
1: notice as much of it as you did. I uh, <laughs> I definitely watched the trailers and went back and watched them a couple times even. Uh, uh, side note, by the way, there was a theater near us that played the last two episodes of season four that we went and saw in a theater and saw a trailer IMAX, in a theater. Yes, yeah. in IMAX. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. And big crowd there for it too. Uh, but, um, but yeah, yeah, the, the trailer was, uh, literally there were like flashes of imagery that lasted less than a second, you know? And so at the, at the theater, when we saw it, it was like just too much to absorb, you know, it was yeah. like a hundred yeah. scenes in one minute, you know? Uh, but then of course we could see online you know uh like pause it pause it and i'm like aziz who's that character aziz who's that character where (laughs) are they right there i can't what's going on here you know and uh but i don't i don't remember that moment with loris lurching i do remember that sort of uh that image of a a council if you will with those people sitting there
0: um well i did freeze frame it (laughs) but i i i
1: didn't didn't, like uh, break it down as much as you did everything you said makes a lot of sense though um i um i've been i so I've, I've sort of walked this line between avoiding spoilers you know, but also interest in what you know well, this yeah. is what they 're telling us i 'm going to accept
0: the commercial that they show me
1: you know? yeah exactly and yeah. Uh,
0: it's, it''s they want us to know certain some of these things, this is how they 've decided yeah. to get us excited about things so Hopefully y'all don't consider any of these things spoilers. It, it, things that we look at from the trailer, anything that we see in the trailers, we don't consider spoilery. But like I said, it's really hard to tell what's a spoiler these days. So, yeah. hopefully nothing here is going to spoil anybody, but uh, that this this will be the tone for the rest of this episode. Anything that we can glean from the spoilers, even from freeze frames is fair game here. So, <laughs> um, what we can expect to see from the faith is hard to predict. The other thing that I can I can remember from the trailer seeing is that there's the over the the voiceover of the High Septon talking about yeah, people yeah. demanding justice and that. Which yeah. is another, another reason why. No, no. He didn't say the people. Oh, the the people. gods. You're right. The, God, the you're, gods. I'm sorry, you're yeah. very right. The gods demand justice. And a person who's speaking for the gods is presuming, of course, quite a bit. But it also gives this person a lot of power. Yeah. It, assuming other people agree <laughs> yeah. and it seems from the trailer that the high sept is clearly going to it will and does establish himself and but what he's going to do beyond that what he's going to do with that power that's the big question how he's going to you know throw his weight around or how whether he's cynical whether he's a true really a true believer which makes him really unpredictable or whether he's got some sort of other agenda and is pretending to be this devout
1: it is interesting to think about um we didn't see a whole lot of Robert ruling, but I feel like if we had seen more and more of him, his concern for religion was nominal at best. He might have superficially recognized that he needs to for the sake of, you know, pretenses to the people or whatever, but I can imagine he wasn't good at it, you know? He's definitely (laughs) out sleeping around, he's drunk all the time, it's just Mm -hmm. not his concern, you know? And certainly, Joffrey could care less about what the people thought. He certainly wasn't (laughs) trying to you know uh
0: not a populist leader appealed as say.
1: to whatever gods the people like for the sake of the people, he seemed oblivious to the fact that they mattered, even you know um Circe very similar, she might be a little more savvy than Joffrey was, but she definitely you know got warned by Tyrion and others like, hey, this isn't gonna be populist, I don't care what was popular, you know what I mean mm-hmm. so uh so now you know uh, that might come back to bite them how much they've just kind of blown it off uh. My guess is that Taiwan doesn't really care either. He's politically savvy enough to recognize he might need to, uh, and he definitely, whether for religious reasons or not, was disdainful of both whoring and homosexuality. He definitely was uh, understood that that was an issue, but he's not there anymore. You know, I don't yeah, know. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Uh, that's one of the things I'm most excited to see is how power. Plays out. I guess Cersei's just in charge now, and what is she going to do with it? <laughs> Kowtow to the, the religious sect? I don't know.
0: I don't think so. We'll see. Uh, yeah, so here's a little let's give a little background. Like I said, some of these things have a very interesting historical perspective to them. Back when Aegon conquered the Seven Kingdoms, Aegon the Conqueror, he decided to adopt the Faith of the Seven because he realized that that it was such a big part of Westeros, and in order to rule over a population, it's difficult to do so if you worship different gods. That's that's something that a lot of conquerors in real world history have learned, and conquerors that don't adopt their religion of their people, or at least don't pay some homage to it, will often have major problems. The, The biggest issues that happened with Aegon in his time were the issues over incest as well as Some other minor issues, but the incest was really the main thing. And basically, for about forty to fifty years, possibly even longer, the Faith were a particular problem for the first few Targaryen kings, especially for Maegor the Cruel and Aenys the First, who were the third and second kings of Westeros, respectively. And basically, because they were this zealous organization that had a lot of power, they were. They were, and they weren't afraid of the dragons, because that's what zealots are. Zealots are like that sometimes. They're (laughs) not, they don't, uh, they're not afraid of anything, but their own, the opinions of their own gods, or the way their own gods will treat them. They're willing to die, they're willing to do anything, because they believe in the afterlife, whatever that afterlife is, and, you know, whatever happens to their mortal body, just they're, somehow they've gotten their brains around that, so that it doesn't matter. So you can imagine the power that someone wields over controlling a group of people like that, who, who don't have concern for their own bodies, for their own, I mean, you can see how that, if that becomes a major factor in Game of Thrones, well, that's a whole nother major thing for any ruler to have to deal with. Thinking ahead, Cersei has to deal with this, let's say for now. Well, what happens if Cersei is is get, you know is put out of the way or or the, the <laughs> Lannisters are overthrown. That problem, the Faith will still be around for whoever comes. If Daenerys ends up, you know, coming to Westeros and, and conquering it or starting to conquer it, she'll have this problem to deal with too.
1: You know, uh, this is just a thought that occurred to me. Uh, on some level, there's like another side to this. There I'm just thinking about Melisandra trying to impose the her fire lord on those people and their people being burned at the stake to not do it, yeah, you know. So as uh, that might be a problem for her or Stannis, would to whatever degree they take over. That's uh, are, true. Is everyone in the North just going to forego the old gods and mm-hmm. give into the Fire Lord? I don't know. I don't.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough it's a tough conundrum for people when you bring gods into the issue it makes uh, decisions for for the average Westerosi very difficult because they believe in gods they all they 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 superstition is not it's not really superstition it's it's truth yeah. it's well, just especially in this truth. world
1: it's It's more so in our world, we can maybe some debatable point on, you know, whether or not there's gods or which gods or what we believe in them. But in this world, we know for sure we really saw (laughs) Varric come back from Thoros. We really saw we've seen real zombies and skeletons and whatever, you know, there's uh, now it always I always remind myself just because this God is real doesn't mean you should worship them. It doesn't mean there's not another God. It doesn't mean they're a just God. It doesn't mean they're the winning God or whatever. <laughs> but we know mm-hmm. there is some reality to it. Uh, Melisandre might not even have some of the power that she seems or that she even thinks. Like I've said this in the past, I wonder how much of her uh, visions, you know, she might not necessarily understand them just because she has them. It doesn't mean she's right about what they mean, you know. Yeah, she's definitely wrong uh, <clears> a few times. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, a thought that I had is that this real power, quote-unquote, of the old gods, even though religion doesn't seem to have played a big part, for the most part, in the plot of most of the, of the uh, northern characters. They have the old gods, but we, we just see them prey at a tree. We see Melisandre's power be real. We see Thoros' power be real. And
0: I feel like... Well, we consider, say, the dire wolves, perhaps. Right, the and, and certainly Bran. We certainly see the war, them yeah.
1: seeing animals. And then we see the guy in a tree and all that. But of the seven gods, what have we seen? Nothing. Nothing. Not even any, any kind of clue or a hint <clears throat> or a subtlety or ambiguous exertion of power from the seven gods. And so, I, on some level, I wonder if maybe in the big picture, it's called a song of fire and ice. If this some sort of showdown? You know, in the past, I thought Danny is fire and John is ice. I thought, oh, maybe Melisandre's fire, maybe Roose Bolton's ice. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, but uh, but regardless. What are the seven gods? I feel like they're just caught in the middle of the real warriors, you know. Uh, I I don't know. It's just a a, a thing. And and maybe
0: we're seeing it come into play here, you know. Uh, It's kind of ironic that the most powerful religion in Westeros is the one that's shown the least overt supernatural with it. But But
1: also gets the least commitment to it. Generally speaking, the characters that believe in the seven gods don't put much stake in it. From what we've From seen, what we've seen. You know, like, maybe the commoner does. Certainly better.
0: a lot of commoners do and a lot of knights take it seriously, a lot of a lot of the But that I think that's something we'll be seeing more of this season. We'll be seeing a lot more of the common man's plight as as the as war, the long-term effects of war ravage the common people. We see more people turning towards religion and to the faith. Well, let's 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 move on to another topic. Let's stay in King's Landing. Of course, one of the main things that's bound to be dealt with And the fallout from it is the death of Tywin. Now, that was a major, obviously a major event at the end of last season. And it's a huge game changer. Tywin, by himself, is a bit of a force of nature. Other people, anyone who stands up to the Lannisters knows that that's who they're facing. Number one. Their number one challenge is Tywin Lannister. And he is one of the most effective, most powerful men in several generations And through sheer force of his own willpower and ability, he made the Lannisters what they are, recovering uh, their glory that was lost in the days of his own father, who was the polar opposite, weak and, you know, uh, laughing, and people took advantage of him, and nothing at all like Tywin. So, without Tywin what's in store for the Lannisters? Do you think, I mean, it's a big loss of power. They've lost a king, now they've lost Tywin. Can they Can they hold on to power? Yeah, I,
1: I want to answer your question, but I also want to point out, it's worse than that. <laughs> Jamie's lost his hand. Yes. Like if, but anyone yes. who isn't worried about Tywin, because I can imagine there may be some hard, strong knight or commoner, like, oh, you know, who just wants to rebel or whatever, they might not know or understand that Tywin's what they're really going up against or who he is. But everyone knows Jamie is the greatest warrior in the land. You know what yeah, I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, on a maybe more political level, you know, some lord or some politician or some merchant maybe has to be worried about Taiwan. But Jamie's not a concern anymore. Maybe people don't know how little of a concern is. Maybe they don't know, people might not know his hand's gone or that he can't fight because of it. But but he can, as far as we can tell. You know, their house is really, plus their king has been killed. And now they're being, you know, it's just like, I feel like their problems are compounding and... Um, ironic how, because given how much power they had not too long ago but uh time we're dying opens up so many questions like you know you're sort of asking about like what's going to happen with the the power of their house in general which i also wonder about i wonder i want to know who the new hand of the king is going to be or hmm. hand of the queen will they be called and be hand of the king know, Tom is
0: queen. <clears throat> yeah cersei's the queen regent she's not the queen anymore
1: but who would she choose or trust to be the hand? maybe she won't even bother. She just got rid of the and sell me like, you know, she isn't maybe attached to tradition. Uh, That's a good point. I, uh, she does
0: not, she, she's not one for tradition. She's one yeah. for doing it the way she wants. She, yeah. she's arrogant enough to try new things, even if they're not great ideas. Just she can sell
1: to the curb for this, uh, admonished Meister and so on. She's I maybe a little more about the bottom line or whatever. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so I, I definitely am curious how things are going to fall into play there. And I, I have an inclination to feel that, you know, momentum will just carry the Lannisters on. It's not like they were totally stable before. They still had challengers. But they're, to some degree, at bay at the moment, you know. And, uh, and I
0: think, actually, it's a good that's a good thing we can connect dots there on the fact that the faith is stopping them in the street or on the steps or whatever that whatever that is we were seeing in the trailer that they were able to just get in the king and queen's way and say, hey, you know, we've got something to say to you. Like, how... Normally that'd be like a "How dare you" moment. <laughs> yeah, but I'm guessing it still a, will be a "How dare you" yeah, moment. But it, but it won't be. A, they don't have the power
1: to "How dare you get away from me." They'll have to "How dare you?" Let's talk about this. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if
0: they would dare to stop Tywin Lannister like that, yeah, for yeah. example, or or Jamie Lannister even. But now the uh, because of who the Lannisters are, but now with Jamie being weaker, with Tywin being gone, with Joffrey being, it's, you know, they, it show their weaknesses, their vulnerabilities are exposed, yeah. and this might be a time for people to take some shots at them. And huh. to some people, I think that will indicate, you know, Danny's opening, maybe her window for opportunity, maybe yeah. coming. Yeah. Um, but she's still got so much going on her own. We'll get to that sure. later, though. Yeah. It's not time to switch over to Essos just yet. We've got. Yeah, uh, couple I did want to. I wanted to say that
1: there's another side to that. You know, Tywin was killed. Also, Tyrion killed Tywin. <laughs> What's going to happen to Tyrion now? Yes. Where is he going? As far as you know, uh, I. I we get some clips in the trailer and they look to me to be in a new environment and it looks to be, I want to say, I can't think of the word, but you know, desertous, if you will. Uh, I, I almost want to say Arabian. There's, it isn't an Arabia per se in, uh, this world, but I feel like parts of the world are modeled after parts of our world. Um, but I still, it's unclear to me, is that Dorn or is that, uh, the Dothraki Sea, you know, I, I'm not quite sure where they've gone. It looks gone.
0: like a place in Essos. One one thing that it could just be a camera trick, but it appears that Tyrion, at one point one of the trailer shots, he sees He looks up
1: and sees a dragon, yeah, unless there's some very treacherous editing yes. <laughs> in the trailers. Yeah, it's like you actually know, Tyrion looks up and sees an airplane. But, you know, is that going to be the first scene of the first episode? Or the last scene of the last episode? Is that going to be him in uh, Essos looking up at a dragon, or him in Westeros looking up at a dragon. Whoa. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where the books go, and you guys are talking a lot about Divergence. I don't know how quickly things are going to come together. In my mind, the whole story is this sort of broad story arc of Jon in the North, Ice, and Danny in the East Fire coming together, and the squabbling over this Game of Thrones and Westeros' is meaningless when there is these zombies coming, and these yeah. dragons coming, you know. But... It is season five, and they're on book five. I don't know how long is this story arc going to be. Eventually, it's got to <laughs>
0: happen, I presume. So, Yeah, that's a good point. Um, okay, so as far as King's Landing, we have a good pivot point here is to talk about Jaime. Uh, of course, Jamie is faced with new challenges. He's going to be, obviously... Uh, Affected by his own role in his own father's death, that can't he yeah, can't he yeah. can't just he forget Tyrion about go. the fact that he's the one who let Tyrion out, and that directly led to Tywin dying. There's going to be some fallout for that. It's it's unlikely that everyone is going to learn that Jaime did this, but of course, at least a few people are going to find out. Probably Cersei and maybe a few others, but it's a, definitely a point of shame for him. It's definitely a point of sadness for him. He had a very troubling, uh, tumultuous, up-and-down relationship with his father, but no doubt he loved his father, even though his father wasn't exactly the most He also loved man his brother. He also, loved he also his, his brother. Journey. That's so. what drove him to set him free in the first yeah. place. You're absolutely right. Now, but from the trailer, <laughs> it appears that Jamie has gone to Dorn.
1: Yes, by the way, let me say... One of the most exciting things for me is in the trailer is Bronn. There's a couple quick flashes of him, like, whipping his sword around. And maybe, he seems, it wasn't 100% clear to me, but it seems to me he's with Jaime. Uh, uh, That's cool, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, though, I can't quite tell where he is. I'm sort of assuming it's Dorn. His his dress was different from normal. In one scene, he's going through a sort of a cathedral, had different architecture. It doesn't seem like he was in King's Landing. Um, but, yeah. Uh, there's also a scene of him, it looks like, in some sort of battle or fight being thrown to the ground. And I wonder if he's, his battle ability is being tested or if he's being ambushed. Is he, I don't know if he, the people he's fighting know who he is. I don't know if Braun's going to save the day, but it's probably the most. Probably the thing I'm most excited about. It's, inter- <laughs> it's,
0: it's interesting just to see, too, because there's, there's a couple of different <laughs> shots. And, and you're right, the, the, some of the shots are the fighting. There's mm-hmm. also a shot yeah. of some girl dancing in front of Jamie. And there's also some shots where plenty of shots of Dorn without um, without uh, Braun and without well, sort of combat. Characters so that we car- Right, yeah. and some characters that we don't know that don't have Jamie or Braun in So, <coughs> so it looks like Dorn in general is gonna be a big part of this next season. And that brings me uh, or brings us as well to one of the other new actors in the show, and that is Alexander Sadiq, who has been who's one of the most famous actors that's been added to the cast or has been in the cast at any point. He, of course, was in... He's been in Star Trek. He's been in 24. He's been in the movie Syriana and a whole bunch of things. I, another Is thing. he the huge guy with a
1: shaved head?
0: No, no. He's the he's the man sitting down in the beard. Okay, okay. That's going to be... Uh... He's one of the few Arab actors in the world that actually gets to Arab roles because normally uh, Hollywood casts Hispanic actors to play Arab roles. <laughs> so... That's pretty neat that he's actually uh, getting this job. And he's a great actor. Um, I'm excited to see him in this role. Doran Martell from the books is a cautious man. He's Oberon's, Oberon's older, older brother, older right? brother. Yeah. He's the ruler of Doran. He's a cautious... Uh, crippled man, and I won't say anything more about his book personality, but I, I, we can assume that there's some similarities, but of course, this is the show, likes to do, go its own way a little bit. Sometimes they keep things pretty close, sometimes they make significant changes, so it's really hard to say what we'll get. We do know that at least some things are going to be similar. We, from the trailer, Doran is sitting down, he does appear to be an older man, he, doesn't, he appear, does not He appear to be um, you know, maybe on the weaker side, which is certainly reflects how he, he appears in the books. So... Of course, the biggest thing is, is, is his brother's been killed and, and his his nieces are apparently, the Sand Snakes, they are apparently not so happy about yeah. it. And they appear to be, they, they're shown in a variety of ways in the trailers, holding weapons and doing kind of martial things. So it shows that they're fighters like their father. And, I mean, it, it, we, we can... It's a pretty safe assumption that they're going to want some sort of revenge or that they are, they have something in mind to either get back at the Lannisters, to get back... at. Of course, they can't get back at Tywin. He's gone. But the most obvious thing that they have to deal with, the most obvious thing of value they can go after is Mercella, Cersei's daughter, who is older than Tommen. But she, as you can remember, back from season two, Tyrion sent Mercella as part of his... Uh, set of plans to win the wars that were happening in the war of five kings one of the ways he dealt with that was to keep Dorne as an ally was to make this marriage alliance where he pledged mercella to marry to betroth to Tristane who is the heir to Dorne him being the heir to Dorne is a big change from the books but that of course is not something we're going to deal with too much today but I wanted to throw that out there um, so, what do you think, Sean? Marcella, that's a big negotiation piece. And remember, one little thing I want to throw before you answer your question. Remember the line in season four, we don't hurt little girls in Dorne, that Oberyn says. And mm-hmm. Cersei says, everywhere in the world they hurt little girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I do well, remember Marcella is now a little girl <laughs> in that spot. Now, yeah. will those words ring true or not?
1: I, uh, I do uh, feel like that's a thing that, uh something I wish the show would do. I wish at least one or two times Cersei would throw a line out along that line. Like, look, you know, like, like at the point when it's, Oberon is going to fight, um, the mountain. Yeah. Cersei seems like happy about this. She's like, ha ha ha. Going to get my revenge. But in my mind, like, wait, isn't this kind of like a lose lose for you, Cersei? I don't feel (laughs) like this is, it it seems like she should have at at least expressed some concern, at least wondered about the safety of her daughter, you know? Um, I guess maybe she and or Tywin just trust that they really won't hurt a little girl in Dorne. Or maybe it'll just be known, hey, this trial by combat, everyone gets it. That's the way it goes. They're not going to take this personally, you know? Yeah, there
0: wasn't much they could do about it either. Oberyn volunteered to be Tyrion's champion in front of everybody. They didn't see that coming. That was not a move they could predict. They were like, what if... It's not like they sat back and said we got to walk, hopefully Oberyn doesn't volunteer to be Tyrion's champion. I'm sure it probably didn't even cross their minds, and they just yeah. did not see that coming. And so Cersei, you're right, I, I, that's a good point, that Cersei maybe could have expressed some worry about her daughter. But, yeah, I guess they just didn't decide to uh, throw that in there. But now she's going to be worrying about her daughter. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's going to Even
1: happen. if it's not justification for war. Even if even if Doran can't say, oh, you killed our, like, oh, well, we didn't kill him. He volunteered for this trial. The gods chose. It wasn't our political maneuvering. He, da 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 da, da. But the, I don't think the response in Dorne is going to be like, oh, oh okay, what, no big deal, whatever. No, yeah. wait, we're still mad. <laughs> we're still mad from before when, uh, you know, you killed our, our, uh, killed the children in the revolution, you know. that's still, mm-hmm. Oberon wasn't necessarily going there as part of a war. He was still going there with the mission of vengeance, you yes, know. Yes, yes. And uh, by the way, this is something I wondered in the past. Was he going there with a the mission of war? Like, what was his plan? <laughs> what if he did beat the mountain? What if it, what if he did beat the mountain? Was he gonna be like, alright, cool, now we're good. Going back home now. I don't think he was done. I <laughs> nope. and I, I have a hard he time believing Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and I have a hard time believing that he was purely on his own there. Whether or not he has people supporting him per se, I don't know. Whether or not there's an army behind it, I don't know. But I don't think everyone was just like, oh, Oberon's going to King's Landing. I wonder what for. I don't know. Oh, well, they know why he's going, you know? So uh, the (laughs) fact that he doesn't come back, I don't think everyone, I don't think everything's just going to, you know, I think Cersei's going to have things coming at her beyond this religious sect in the city i don't think mm-hmm. that's the extent of her concerns
0: this, this, this is what i was talking about the lannisters hold on power is really really slipping they lost tywin and they've got these new challenges <laughs> and some of the existing challenges that seem to be getting you know that were on the fringes like danny everyone predicts danny eventually coming to westeros well her star keeps rising and the lannisters yeah. just keeps keeps falling But like you said, they're nowhere near a spent force. There's still a lot they can do. I want to point out one more thing, by the way. There's something else the Lannisters have lost,
1: and something else they've gained. Tyrion, they might not (laughs) like him, but the fact is, he did a lot for them. And now, not only do they lose him, he's their enemy. Mm -hmm. You know, so I. uh, That's a very maybe he'll just maybe he'll just disappear in the world. But I have a feeling he's coming back too. Yes,
0: I would agree with that, and. That's a very good point, and it's also a really good point because it's, it reflects some things that any of you who out there listening who have read the books know that Tyrion also reflects several times on how underappreciated his contributions are to just, not just the Lannisters, but to, to as a ruler and to the people. The people, because of who he is, because of what he looks like, he gets blamed for <laughs> things that aren't his fault and doesn't get credit for things that, that he did right. Like, you know, his role in the Battle of the Blackwater, yeah. for example, was very understated. And uh, he was a little bitter about that, about how he wasn't recognized more. He wakes up and he's just kind of been shuttled, you know, stuck in a bed to, to recover and no one comes to visit him. And he's he's worried that Cersei is the one who sent that King's Guard to kill him. and Rightly worried. He's Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's rightly worried about that. Um I personally don't think that Cersei sent that King's car, but that's another topic. <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but fair but enough. I agree that if I were Tyrion, I would be would think that Cersei was a yeah. candidate.
1: Even but, if she didn't, the fact that he thinks she did tells you something. Like yes. why what have you done to would make me think you would do that so also? I, yeah. in that
0: in that sense the Lannisters really kind of uh, undid themselves with their infighting. The Tyrion and Cersei being the main two who are already at, at each other's throats and Though you can really say Cersei is mostly to blame for that. Tyrion certainly there's certainly some things that I think Tyrion didn't do very smartly <laughs> with regards to that. He yeah. he really should have backed off I think on some things because sir because he's more reasonable and Cersei is is not and he he could you know you can't out reasonable someone who's more unreasonable than you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Still that said, you know I wonder like what if what if instead of putting him on trial and. You know, with everything just falling apart like it did, what if they didn't do that and kept Tyrion as even out of hand? They kept him on the council as a treasurer, right? right? as master master coin. Coyne, yes, uh, even as master coin, I bet he at some level would have gone and talked to this religious leader and said, "Hey, mm-hmm. let me work some stuff out. Let me tell you how Cersei is. We can work around this." You know, he his value would have been there in some way. He, you know. Maybe not would have saved the day. Who, who knows what's gonna, how it's going to pan out. Yeah, this, a, this
0: high septon might just be really uh, obstinate. He might, be, yeah. he might not be a negotiating type. We'll have to see. <laughs> I
1: wonder from a sort of a meta standpoint, just thinking about how TV shows and promotions and advertisements and whatnot work, my guess is they're not going to show us in the trailer the climatic moments of the last episode. It'll probably be an earlier setup, um, a dilemma that may tie in or even dissipate by you know at the end of the season. Um, doesn't mean I'm not interested in it, but <laughs> I, uh, I can imagine that there will be other things beyond that, you know.
0: So let's talk about. This is a good pivot point. Tyrion, um, since we're talking about the Lannisters and we're talking about Tyrion, Tyrion is traveling. It appears he's going to Essos and he's traveling with Varys. That that could make for some interesting conversations. So Tyrion and Varys always um, have great dialogue, so hopefully we'll get a good bit of that. And uh, we see some from the trailer. We see them talking about. They kind of pretty blatantly talk about the quote Varys says, who said anything about her? Someone with a great family name, someone with the will to rule and all these things. It's, It's pretty clear that Tyrion is heading towards Daenerys. Could be talking about one of the sand snakes. It's true. Could be talking about one of the sand snakes, could be talking about but that they, they <laughs> don't have the family name to rule, they're bastards. So I I can almost rule that out, but they could be talking ah, that's about Marcella, but Marcella's so young, she doesn't have she doesn't have those other qualities. Yeah, she's yeah. just like twelve year old and and she's hardly been taught. Maybe
1: Varys knows something we don't. <laughs> so let's
0: operating on the assumption that this is Daenerys, it does seem rather perfect because what is Daenerys struggling with? She's struggling with How to rule. She doesn't know. She's good at... Some parallels to Robert Baratheon. Good at getting to the throne. Good at getting people to follow her. Good at winning the battles. Good at having the loyalty of soldiers. Winning loyalty. Winning support. But once sitting in that ruler's chair... She's not like Robert. She's the opposite of Robert in what she wants to do. Robert is just like, I don't... Laissez-faire. I don't care. Do what you want. I, I, I don't...
1: I just Care want to get about drunk, leave me me your, alone. <laughs> Danny
0: is very hands-on. She cares a lot. Now, people question her motives. People question her, her methods. Set that aside. I'm not interested in having that discussion at this point. She cares about what she's doing. Whether she's doing a good job is a whole other topic pretty clear that she's made whether you not any whether or not you're of a mind that she's done a good job or not it's clear that she's messed up some things and that she needs help and that she lacks experience and that she lacks people that have experience with ruling her counselors are Barris and Selmy uh, who who Tywin Lannister would call a glorified bodyguard uh, Daria Naharis, a sellsword cap. You know, she doesn't even have Jorah anymore, and he wasn't exactly a great politician either. He was more savvy in that than most of them. But he was also kind of paranoid and protective and wanted to keep getting to himself and, and didn't have a whole lot of experience with this kind of level, the type of ruling. So basically, no, none of her people in her inner circle have this kind of experience. Grey Worm, also a soldier. Masande, smart, clever, has you know speaks a lot of languages, but also no experience ruling. But
1: not. I, I would point out that they're not completely inept. They have. It's not that they have no experience. They, uh, her counsel probably is better than average, actually. But I also want to point out, uh, Robert may not have cared as much, but he doesn't have as much to care about, right? He doesn't have a land charge. of slavery mm-hmm. to deal with, right? Yeah. Danny has bigger challenges in front of her. She has, you know...
0: And, and dragons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but regardless... So, so what's coming towards her, or what seems to be coming towards her, is Dan- uh, Danny, is Tyrion and Varys, two people who are massively skilled and experienced in, in matters of court and intrigue and in politics and public opinion and handling other people of power. Tyrion was Hand to the King and did a good job. Everyone saw that he handled himself really well, that he was a player of the game, a top-notch player of the game, and Varys arguably on another level than Tyrion even although yeah. without the the family name and the the wealth necessarily behind some of his uh, some of his uh, you know he doesn't have the same clout but he has more skill and experience and he's sneakier and and has you know his secrets now so what is it what does it mean to you to to get the idea from the trailer does it seem to you that maybe Varys has been pulling for Danny all along, or or does what what's your take on that? I don't know
1: I don't know about that. I mean maybe, but I I have been operating on the assumption that he truly is primarily concerned with the realm. Now, I don't know how to define the realm if he that means Westeros or the planet. And I don't know what his concern is, like what he thinks is good for the realm. Peace, simply peace. If he specific ones product activity or advancement or does he want the seven gods to spread to the other like i don't know how he defines good for the realm but i feel like generally speaking uh, it basically is peace and prosperity of the seven kingdoms that's what i feel like fundamentally barris is maneuvering for um, and he
0: seems to be of that same sort of mind of of
1: yeah. caring
0: being, compa- being well, a compassionate Rule. i think
1: and- she is more concerned with justice Not that Varus isn't concerned with justice, or that Danny isn't concerned with peace, but she would rather have war than slavery. Mm -hmm. Varus doesn't have to make that choice. There's not slavery in Westeros. So he, right now, I just want peace, you know. Very Uh, true. But uh, when they join forces, I can imagine it'll be easier for Danny to come over to this land where she doesn't have to conquer slavery. Maybe she'll be more ambitious and want to use Westeros' forces to go in slavery in Essos, you know, (laughs) Um, would, would... Varus, go for that. Let's say all my analysis are correct. I think Varus would say, no, my queen, we need to stay here and maintain what we have. I don't think he'd want to go off saving the world, you know. Yeah.
0: Um, one thing at a time. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Especially if he's been working for, for for any amount of time towards that. It brings us back to a scene in, in season one where Arya overhears Varus speaking with Illyrio. Right. And because it's from the trailer, it does appear that that is where Tyrion and Vars are having their conversations. The same Illyrio's (coughs) mansion slash palace, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It it looks like the same place. Uh, Although we don't see Illyrio in the trailers, which I wonder if he's going to be used or not. I don't suppose it's a big deal either one way or the other. He's certainly a bit bigger in the books. And I (laughs) I mean that in both ways. A more important character (laughs) and bigger, as in he is a very large man. Uh, So... That is a very interesting situation, seeing what... And that's something that, that's a, an interesting deviation and in that we, uh, us book readers, really don't know too much what to expect here. Be- not because this is necessarily uh, something that's definitely going to diverge from the books, but because it's pretty close to where the books are. Thus, you know, a lot of the plot lines have already caught up to the books. And some of them are still have some catching up to do, and some of them are just so different that there's no way to connect them to the books at all. So... That's a really interesting developing situation. So, okay, so let's let's see. We're talking about Daenerys in Essos and some of her other challenges. Of course, she still has her dragons. Those are still going to be uh, they're still growing and so far she's shown almost no ability to control them whatsoever. Do you do you see that changing? Do you see that becoming an, uh, an even bigger problem for her? Any predictions there? I'm not sure it was one of my favorite
1: things that happened in uh Last season was that moment where you kind of recognize that they're not cute little pets <laughs> and they don't necessarily just do whatever she says that they're dangerous and threatening and maybe uncontrollable and i uh uh I'm torn on my thoughts of that because um one, I appreciate that sort of dilemma being presented for everything not just to always go perfectly Danny's way, which a lot of times it seems like it does um. But it also makes me wonder where they're going with that. You know, how's it going to play out? It makes me wonder in the past, what was the nature of the dragons then and their writers and the different Targaryen rulers? Were they, was it like a skill they had to master over time? Did they have a magical connection like the Starks do with the wolves? Does Danny not have that connection? Maybe she has it with one of the dragons, but not all of them. Maybe she hasn't developed it. Uh, I, uh, I'm i curious. I I've, I feel like the the show is not going to end with two dragons in a vault and one on the loose. My guess is that's <laughs> not like how everything's going to sum up, but how they get to that point, I don't know. Well, you know, I, sometimes I wonder if maybe something really crazy, like maybe more dragons will appear. Maybe it's not a coincidence these dragon eggs hatch at the same time that the zombies are appearing, winter's coming. To, even Melisandre seems surprised with the power that... Uh, the Thoros had, right? Yeah, she's like so, how could
0: you do that? That shouldn't yeah. be possible. Yeah. I maybe knew.
1: the level of magic Very in general is rising, maybe the interference of the gods in general is rising. I was even thinking earlier, if maybe cause and effect is being mixed up, you know, is it maybe it's not so much that as the strife and turmoil happens, people start turning to religion, maybe it's as the gods are dissatisfied,
0: they mm-hmm. start to
1: interfere more in the lives of people, you know. Um but uh yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm curious how much of a Plot point that will be in this coming season. Like again, the trailer definitely showed us several images of dragons, but they weren't exactly Danny riding them into victory. You know, they seem to be more uh, treacherous or wild moments. Something
0: else that so that's something that that she needs help with. That maybe even Varys and Tyrion may not be able to help her with. Another thing that Tyrion seems will to be, know how to make a saddle. Tyrion will know how to make a saddle. <laughs> Very true. Another thing that comes up. That that's related to the marine and Daenerys plot is, uh, underscores her need for advisors. This is more things we can glean from the trailer. We see men in masks committing murders, including killing some of the Unsullied, killing just some people, and that shows that there is a, a, a faction, and we can assume that they are the called the Sons of the Harpy because that's what they're called in the books and they are kind of a shadow organization that represents the old interests and they are trying to challenge Danny's authority and working against her and possibly uh, given their uh, given one of the scenes we see that they have there's a some sort of arena and there's a I bunch see. of these people have surrounded yeah. her and her Unsullied, and they seem to be trying to get, I, I would guess that this episode is going to happen later in the season. Some sort of big showdown between these people really goes to show. She needs someone like Tyrion and Varys. These kind of guys would yeah, really Yeah, they could help. fight them off in the arena. <laughs> <laughs> really needs people to, to man, how to root out to these sort of influences and how to deal with these sort of shadowy figures. We've seen Varys as a master of whispers, and King's Landing has dealt with all kinds of you know, hidden uh, agendas and underground organizations, yeah. and, and Tyrion is no stranger to those sort of things himself, although certainly probably not on the level of Varys. So we really see that Daenerys has a need of these things. And another uh, thing that we see, it's a, one of the most important parts of the trailer that we've seen is there's two things. One is the the harpy, the big giant harpy coming down. That's in a bunch of the trailers. It uh, the golden down. statue, yeah. yeah, the big. I guess it's probably bronze or brass, but it looks yeah, it looks golden. But uh, and that's a you know big visual that they keep showing, and that's showing the power of the of the old Miranese and the old slavers being. It's a symbolic fall, to power. But then we see that they have these the shadow organization that shows that they still have some power. Uh, but also. On top of that, we have Daenerys' speech about breaking the wheel and mm-hmm. talking to yeah. I, I kinda like that too. Some people thought it was cheesy. I kinda liked it. I thought it was a good metaphor showing how just like things turn and different families on top at any different moment, a different family is on power, and they just crush anything below them. They don't care about the little man or the whatever's happening. It's just a big, you know, nonstop battle for power. And uh, when the High Lords play their Game of Thrones, it's the common men who suffer. That's a line from the Varus. Uh, a very famous virus line from the books, and it's it, it really captures that uh, the essence of that. So that's why I like that quote. But on the other hand, it seems maybe th- th- there's nothing from the trailer that that hints at Daenerys coming to Westeros yeah. this season. There's no scenes that really, if that happens. It, they're not revealing it in the trailer. Like I said, I did a lot of freeze-framing and I couldn't find any clue remotely towards that. So it's a little weird to have her speaking about, oh, I'm going to break the Tyrells and the Lannisters and the, and the Baratheons and all these guys. Are you? Okay, well, when? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, it's a little more, they're hyping up this eventual conflict that's going to come, but I don't see that conflict coming this season. But they could just be doing a good job of, of being sneaky and keeping yeah. those scenes out of the trailer. What do you think about that?
1: Again, like I said before, a lot of these things we're seeing in the trailer or things that are alluded to, uh, we don't know if they're coming first part of first episode or last part of last episode. You know, that she might be making that statement as they sail their ships west at the closing moment of the last episode. That would you know, be cool. that would, yeah. uh, um, I Like I said, I don't know what happens in... It, book, book five is out and book six is pending. Am I, am I saying right. that right? Yes, yeah, yes. I, I don't even... Uh, it's from what I understand, you know, I, I feel like the, the first two to three books pretty much stick to the first two or three seasons, obviously some differences and a little divergence, but, but by the time we get to book four, it's separated enough that, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, I think a lot about I was saying earlier, like when is this kind of, kind of converge in the end and, uh, I'm assuming it doesn't happen at the end of book five, uh. And so it probably won't happen at the end of season five, but already things have happened at the end of season four that haven't happened in the books at all, right? That's so, true, yes. Uh, and I also wonder, I, I started wondering this, you know, last season, I was like, how long can this go on? How <laughs> old can the kids get? How long before the books come out? I don't know. Uh, it, uh, for better or worse, it's a, I wonder if there's ever been a show with this sort of dilemma, in the past, you know, I
0: don't know. If I don't think there has been. That's a good point. Yeah. Release a
1: show this size, this production quality, this much following, or whatever.
0: It's a new experience for the world. Yeah, as far as our, our little corner of fandom, it's 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 breaking new ground. Not necessarily in a good way, but it is kind of fun, and it is. Um, <coughs> it's going to be interesting to see how they, how it all happens. Yeah, you're like you said. It's it's a very unique situation in terms of media and uh, TV and books. It's just. Never, as far as I know, maybe some of you listeners out there, some of you watchers, if you have, if you know of some parallels out there to other any kind of TV show, book crossovers like this, or movies, or anything like that, that 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 reminds you of this situation, it'd be good to to go ahead and let us know. Maybe there's some interesting perspective we can glean from that. But but you mentioned something interesting earlier about how everything is, you know, the series is called A Song of Ice and Fire, and how. Uh, That's a theme that is important to keep in the back of your mind as to maybe understanding how things are going to go in the long run. So, of course, you mentioned that you kind of symbolically view Danny as kind of the embodiment of a fire angle. Maybe Melisandre's sort of that way as well. But uh, the North and John, in particular, I think I threw
1: out Roos earlier, but Bran maybe is a better representation of us. Bran, yes, yes.
0: So let's turn our attention to that area of the world and those plots. The North is splitting up into a couple different plot lines. There were uh, some plot lines, the Bran and Rickon and Osha and uh, Hodor and Jojen and Mira, that plot line, which uh, probably won't get, apparently they won't be in the season at all. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. They have reached their parallel point in the books. Uh, Thus, there is no more for them to cover. They would have to tread basically tread new ground, or trade, <laughs> tread ground that hasn't been put in book form yet, which doesn't mean they won't do that, but we do know that those actors aren't appearing at all this season. Yeah, so There were no clips of them in a trailer. That is,
1: right, that too. Yes. I took some notes on like who did appear in the trailer, they, but it's worth they, noting they, characters
0: that didn't appear in the trailer also. True, they were, they were at a curious omission, and yes, it's been <laughs> announced, they're simply just not in the season, uh, so we'll just have to see what happens. I guess they'll be back in season six and we'll see how they handle that. It's kind of interesting.
1: I wonder if they're filming it all now. Like, how much older can Bran get with Hodo yeah. carrying around in his yeah, back? Are did. they going to recast him, or are they Isaac, filming it now? Isaac is
0: really growing. He's hitting some growth spurts there. He might, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be a big Bran.
1: Maybe Hodo will have some growth spurts too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no. That would be problematic. He, he would he would be a little too big. He could take over as the as, as fourth pl- actor to play the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So... <coughs> so we don't have to talk about them. We don't have any predictions for them because we don't expect to see them at all. But, the so the important parts of the storyline, there's still a lot of other characters in the North, characters that weren't in the North before and characters that weren't as important that are becoming important. Stannis and Melisandre and Selyse and Shireen and Davos and all these characters being at the Wall uh, has an opportunity for some plot lines to converge. But, there's also lots of hints from the trailer that this isn't gonna. There's not going to be a lot of converging these plot lines. They're going to meet and then they're going to kind of split apart. We see scenes of John with the wildlings being friendly with some wildlings and fighting some other wildlings. We see them at a town, like a wildling town, an encampment with walls. But we also see fighting. It's very confusing. We also see wildlings and black brothers arriving, or we see black brothers arriving, and we see Tormund arriving with John. So there's some sort of Maybe parlay going on, but we also see battling. And then we also see them all running away. We see men jumping into boats just trying to escape. And we see, at one point, we see a hand shoot through a wooden wall, which seems like it's a white. So, I think what we can see coming is that some sort of mission north of the wall to a wildling town. And the only town in canon that the wildlings have is a place called Hardhome. And it's it's, it's the closest thing the wildlings have to a town. And we don't know how. Of course, that's in the books. We don't know how they're going to handle it in the show. So I won't. I won't go too far with that. But just, just other than those very basic details. So, but it seems like something's happening there. The the the, the watch shows up in a group. John seems to be in some sort of command position. And there's wildlings with him. And there's friendliness. And then there's fighting. And then there's people running away. And there's some hints that that the 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 White Walkers and the whites have come to this town to attack it. Like whoa, right? <laughs> I, I perceived it a little differently,
1: uh, not at all saying you're wrong, I probably didn't analyze it as much, and I don't have as much background information, but it looked to me like they were like assembling and moving out. I thought John, it didn't appear to me like they were like a, escaping in some way, I thought that John and uh, the Night's Watch and or Wildlings were loading onto bolts to go attack south, you know, on behalf of Stannis. That's, that sort of was what I was assuming, but... I am certainly unsure about it. And was certainly confused by that wall, that hand busting through the wall. Yeah, that made me think that seemed supernatural. Yeah. And I also was sort of assuming that they're just a bunch of different bits of action spliced together that weren't necessarily connected. I don't know, again, I don't know exactly how they're going to edit up the preview to what they reveal or don't. So um, yeah, I mean, what you're saying might make sense. I guess it makes sense that maybe they... Are going to have some meeting or get some group? It seemed like all the wildlings were just right there at the wall. I don't know who would still be in some town, but maybe there would be. Maybe the women and children were left behind or something like that. And uh, all that doesn't seem Mance's, very wildling-ish to do that, you know. Mance's know. army
0: was a huge con- con- conglomeration of something like seventy plus tribes, and you you got to think that when Stannis, you know, captured Mance and took out a lot, of, it captured a lot of the leaders. This is a disparate group of disunited people,' Some they're not went all back. just gonna' are gonna yeah. just go in a lot of different directions and do their own thing. They're all driven by the same thing they're scared of the onset of winter and that the fact that the white walkers are active and that the whites are taking people out and Plan A
1: might have been band together assault the wall, but when that starts to fall apart, they go to plan B, go to hard home and, and stand our ground. Right, and, and they're yeah.
0: disunited, so there's there's probably different wild. That might explain why some of the wildlings are friendly and some of them seem to be fighting the wildlings. Yeah. It, it just shows that there's the wildlings aren't just some united group. They're, yeah. you know, it's they're it's like talking about tribes. the Asians or something. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly. <laughs> there's not they're not all going to be of one mind about anything, uh, for the most part. So that that explains perhaps why the, some, the the trailer seems to maybe contradict itself almost in in what's happening, but I, I don't think it's a contradiction. It's just different wildlings want different things. There's different groups of wildlings. It's a little confusing because they all kind of look the same. Yeah. <laughs> they all have their they all have the kind of mottled gray. Uh, costume way they're all yeah. dressed kind of similarly i never i didn't quite understand why they have them look that way and then, and in then the trailer it's even harder to tell because the, the the rangers are all wearing black and the the wildings are like dark gray with model dark gray and it's like unless you freeze frame it like i did you can't shay and i did spend a lot of time uh looking at these scenes uh freeze framed and uh, that that's how you can make these you know make these judgments but without that it's really difficult to tell what's going on in those scenes. Yeah. But that... uh, I imagine you could
1: say it's something similar of some battle of Westerosi characters. They're just a bunch of knights. I can't tell who's Tyrell and who's Lannister or whatever, you know, so...
0: So now, in none of these scenes do we see Sam, for example. So, Sam is... And then, of course, why would we? Why would if if there's some sort of expedition north of the wall to go to some place and meet of these wildlings? You wouldn't expect Sam to be a part of that. That would or a, be.
1: A, a force moving south to attack. you would not likely yeah. to be a part of that either. You don't expect him to be part, especially of especially because he promised Gilly. <laughs> That's he true. He's not going anywhere without her. So unless true. she's going to attack, also. You
0: know, <laughs> he made a difficult promise there. That promise might be hard <laughs> to keep, but. Uh, so the what do you do? You have any predictions for Sam and Gilly? How that's going to go? What do you what do you think? I don't know.
1: I honestly hadn't thought about it much till just now. But what kind of makes sense to me is he, he's not going to go off to war. I, I guess maybe he would. I guess I could see how maybe he would. Like he did kill a White Walker. You know he does have a certain amount of experience. And it seems to have stepped up his level of bravery. It was part of the battle there at the Wall. But it still makes more sense to me that someone's gonna. So Someone saw us take care of Meister Raymond. Someone saw us write letters for the Ravens. Someone saw, yep. you know, that's his job. That's He'll probably stay there with Gilly. John will go off and fight. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what I expect when I think about it.
0: So, real quick, I wanted to throw in a piece of news here. Um, before we get back to the discussion about the North, we have a book coming out called A Hymn for Spring, and it is a Tower of the Hand publication. A lot of you are familiar with Tower of the Hand. It is probably the second largest fan site dedicated to A Song of Ice and Fire on the internet and it is a great resource as well as a publisher of some uh, excellent material. The book contains essays by myself and Ashea as well as a lot of other Song of Ice and Fire uh, community luminaries such as our friend Jeff Hartline and Stephen Atwell and Amin Javadi from A Podcast of Ice and Fire as well as Stefan Sasa and several others that is available for pre-order now. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, you should be able to pick up a copy. Uh, the, the book is going to be out April 20th, and I hope you guys take a look at that. It would be a great way to support the Song of Ice and Fire community as well as to support the History of Westeros podcast. So, let us move on. Within uh, We're still staying to the north here. We have the uh, big important plot of Stannis, Stannis and Davos and Melsandra, and, of course, we also have in tow his daughter Solis, or sorry, his daughter Shireen and wife Solis, and there's a scene from the trailer where Solis is on the ground looking up, and there might be tears in her eyes, and she has a kind of uh, an odd look on her face, and there's boots around her as if there's people standing around her, and I have no idea what's happening (laughs) with that, but something, it shows that Solis is going to witness something or something tumultuous that's going to happen at the wall. There's another scene that might be at the wall where there's a bunch of things burning and people are kind of running in a lot of different directions. It seems to be at the wall, but I'm not sure. So something could be going on there. Um, Without guessing at that too much, we also have some scenes of what appears to be someone burning, being burned at the stake. Don't know who that is going to be exactly, but it's a safe guess that it's... A wildling leader, maybe Raider. Uh, he, because he is the wildling leader. It, it's not going to be Tormund, I don't think. Not just because I uh, he's on my shirt, which proves that he's still alive, <laughs> but because he appears in in some of the scenes and some of the scenes in the trailer that are out away from the wall. It doesn't seem likely that he leaves the wall only to come back and be burned. Then, so I think Tormund is safe. It could be someone like uh, I for a while I thought it might be Jano Slint being burned for cowardice but from the trailer we can see him standing there watching <laughs> I can, he's very easy to spot uh, along the outside of people watching this this thing this whole scene develop so it's not him he's standing there with Alistair Thorne so whether he gets called out for cowardice or not he doesn't get burned at the stake at least not in this particular scene maybe he does later
1: <laughs> which also Alistair Thorne apparently is not dead that was right. I even remember when we saw the episode in the theater, there, like, paying attention, and I remember that. Oh, it's not clear to me what happened to him.
0: Yeah, he took. Yeah. Looked like he got wounded in the leg. Uh, yeah, which which can be fatal. You can there's major arteries and stuff in there. But, but we
1: didn't see, and there was a lot of like post battle stuff happen without not seeing him. Right. him so he was, he was
0: not in episode ten. Not even mentioned right. even. even. Yeah, yeah. So. But we see him in the trailer, so he's he's definitely around. Um, although we don't see him do anything in the trailer, we just kind of see him standing there observing this. So. It'll be interesting to see given that the Night's watch is without a lord <laughs> commander you got to suspect that he will be up for that job especially given that as much as a, a hateable character as he is I admit he did a damn good job leading the watch during that uh during the mm. battle he was brave he was on top of things he was a good leader he fired people up he fired me up that speech was great so uh you know even I'm correct. that's that was a change from the books right he wasn't there that's happened. correct. In the books, he was he hadn't returned to the wall yet. Because I just read, or he was at East in Watch book
1: one, and yeah. that Mormont sent him away as sort of a double with a double purpose of separating him and Jon, and also he apparently has more clout from outside. He's not just some rapist that joined the wall. He had some. He was, he was a knight beforehand or whatever. So him going to court requesting help is more basically, valuable. Than, uh, was it Yoren or whoever else was sent?
0: Basically, how uh, Sir Alistair Thorne <clears throat> fought for the Targaryens in Robert's Rebellion and bent the okay. knee. When when Robert was victorious and was allowed to take the black makes sense as, yeah. uh, took the black as part of his um, surrender, <laughs> so to speak. So that is how he, that's part of why he's bitter too, <laughs> because <laughs>
1: should have been on a king's guard. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> not embarrassed and got in the king's guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's not how he imagined his life going. So he's got some bitterness, but. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. We'll see what happens with those guys. Now, Stannis, of course, he's got a whole nother situation. This is another pivot point for us to go from plot to plot here. Stannis' main goal. Now, while Stannis has come to the wall because Melisandre has designated him and told him that he's this great hero that has been prophesied. But he can't deal with, he's dealt with the wildlings a bit. And he wants to deal with the impending threat of Winter is Coming and the White Walkers and all that. But he has to settle the North first. He's got enemies that are more obvious. Roose Bolton being the main one. And from the trailer, we hear a a, a voiceover of Roose Bolton discussing how Stannis is in the North and how they are going to come in conflict. So, a, a Roose versus Stannis showdown is very very heavily foreshadowed here and that seems to be something that we might even see battles for could we tell who Roos was talking to no
1: like i wonder if he was talking to ramsey or his council or if he's talking to cersei or jamie or like i wonder what the chances are that the follow-up to that is you know uh stannis is in the north and he's gonna come attack us and so what we need to do is join forces and kick the Lannisters out of there. You know what I mean? I, I want, Or if he's like, so I need to get the Lannisters to support me in fighting off Stannis. I don't mm. know which direction Rus will go there.
0: Well, I, I, yeah, and we also see some some of those a scene reminiscent or an image, a set of images or shots reminiscent of Rob pouring over a battle map with the different little army markers. Mm You see a similar thing that that Roos is looking at. And so I believe that that, he's discussing strategy with Ramsay is most likely because of the way this battle map is laid out. I don't think that the Lannisters can help him very much right now. (laughs) I don't know that they would even want to. They've put Roos in charge, but they've got too many of their own problems. And uh, if Roos is their new warden in the north, it's really his job to sort this whole thing out. Um, but i, I can't uh, but knowing what roose has done in the past i feel like his one way he might choose to sort it out is join with stannis he might it's possible um, i he certainly has the advantage of the north being um, not so disposed towards being led by the southerners that's stannis uh, that's specifically specific, That's true and also the adva- the geographical advantage of the north being uh, relatively separated from the rest of the kingdoms via the very small area known as the Neck, which is a small swampland, very easy to prevent armies from marching north, which is why Theon's taking of Moat <coughs> Kaelin in Season king. 4 was so important, because that that fortress, as dinky as it looked, actually is, in, is positioned in such an important strategic place that it's actually capable of holding off much larger army than... The uh, then the number of defenders it would take to, to pull that yeah. off, so so we'll see how that goes. Roos, the Roos and Stannis plot seems like it's going to be a really major factor. Um, we'll, we're not, I, one thing I don't know so much of what's going to happen is with Ramsey and his girl Miranda, who is not even a character in the book, so we're not sure what to that's a thing that we're not sure how to predict, but it does give us, it does give us another pivot point here. Something else we see happening in the north is Veilmen arriving. In the trailer, we see soldiers from the Vale arriving of friendly. They're not arriving a, a, on a, some sort of attack mission or anything like that. We see a scene where some Veilmen, and it's very clearly Veilmen because their shields have the Aaron sigil on them, and there's several of them, they're riding into Winterfell being greeted. There's a welcoming party there, and you can see signs of you can see uh, signs that Winterfell is being rebuilt from behind. There's like ladders and uh, construction going. on I didn't recognize that as Winterfell. Can only yeah, it's only because of a freeze frame that I could tell that. There's a big direwolf over one of the pillars. I see. (laughs) It's very clearly Winterfell. Uh, So some so what what it seems to be happening is some sort of event that people are being invited to and. Maybe it it could be some sort of wedding. Um, And we also see scenes of Sansa in what appears to be Winterfell. From the background, she's a shot of her walking around in what appears to be the Winterfell crypts. And another scene where she's taking a Mm. bath. And the background is similar to previous shots of Winterfell from other seasons. And (laughs) there's a scene where she's talking to Littlefinger. uh, Where they're clearly still in the veil at this point. And she's crying, and Littlefinger is speaking of revenge. So something about what's going on in the north is and maybe there's maybe something to do with that some maybe he brings up or something some mention of her brothers or of Arya or something like that. Something to do with her family that gets her emotional. And but something about revenge and what so maybe Sansa is in but then Sansa shows up in Winterfell, so she's attending this event. That's why I'm guessing it's a wedding, because Whose wedding would it be? That I don't know. <laughs> um, it could be, you know, a, a, but a distinct possibility is Ramsay. Ramsay is now a Bolton. He's officially a Bolton. He's not a bastard anymore. Right. So he decree. could get
1: married, but who he didn't married to? Sansa. I don't think Sansa. No, that doesn't. She would have terrible luck with her. <laughs> I don't see why. <laughs> who she's been chosen want... to marry? <laughs> yeah, I don't think.
0: I don't think that would serve Littlefinger's interests. Uh, It would be quite a twist. I can't say it's impossible, but I do not, I don't think that's the indication. Um, We don't see any sort of hint that, none of of those scenes that she's wearing any sort of wedding type gown. She's dressed in in black, she's dressed in that new look for her, Uh, so she may be there incognito. She may not yeah, be, she's yeah. still, She remember she's become this other person, this Elaine. Yeah. So she's yeah. probably there as Elaine, not as Sansa. Uh, it might
1: make some sense, but it seems too risky for her to get recognized. It's yeah, more, I agree. You know, I I agree. Well, Winterfell's
0: then. been blown up, basically. Um, yeah. Nobody, there's pretty much nobody <laughs> that was there before is there now. Yeah. She could get recognized, but she, but, which is, I suppose that would be maybe what would make this such an event, assuming I'm interpreting it correctly, that would make this Pretty exciting, you <laughs> know—the chance that she gets recognized. On the other hand, anyone who recognized her, the Starks were. Everybody loves the Starks. They yeah. wouldn't necessarily out her. Maybe they would though. Maybe someone. They might the do chance. it on accident, you know. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, especially because I, I, I can't help but wonder if someone who might recognize her might be more likely to be someone is younger, who would be more likely not to have been killed. You know, some girl, some child, some maiden, and someone in the staff or the stables or something. You know. But uh, I tell you something's a little uh, on my mind. Just thinking about how things will play out in the North. Having just read the first book, the a difference was that, and it, was, it might even happen in a show like this, but I don't I don't quite remember it. They didn't, certainly didn't make a point of it. And they made a point in a book that it wasn't just the Northmen pledging to Rob; it was the, the Riverlands, the Riverlands yes. also. Yes, and uh, and so I, I'm I'm supposed I'm thinking of how different forces could fall together if Littlefinger and the Vale somehow ally with the Riverlands. And the north and Winterfell, whether it's Roose or or Stannis, you know what I mean? I can really see a lot coming together. I don't know who the Lannisters are gonna have on their side. I guess they have the Tyrells and the Tyrells <laughs> are powerful. But I don't see how the Seven Kingdoms are just in general how they're gonna stay tied together, you know. Man, well, like maybe some conqueror shows up with dragons or something like that. <laughs> uh. Well, here's
0: the one thing about Littlefinger to remember that it ties into what you're saying. A uh, detail you may have forgotten, and that is that Littlefinger is technically Lord of Harrenhal, and that's in the Riverlands. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the Tullys are are out, and they were the you know. So the Littlefinger is in in name, he is in charge of the Riverlands, but he has not set foot there in some time, nor does he have any sort of army or anything like that. His power is is. He has nominal power in the Riverlands and actual power in the Vale, even though yeah. his title...
1: His technical power... Is and, higher. His yeah.
0: Riverlands title is, is his most prestigious thing, but his real power seems to be in the Vale and with his network in general, his spy network, his money, his money network, and all that. But... Sticking to the situation in the North, um, so we we want to think about Sansa being there, uh, how that would serve Littlefinger's end, since he seems to be the one really pulling the string. Although there's certainly some hints that Sansa is going to start taking Pulling some strings of her own, yeah. Yes. Uh, the fact that Sansa is in the North sort of says to me that, or appears to be in the North from the trailer, says to me that Littlefinger's still basically in charge, even though Sansa's got a lot more... Authority than she had before. And she's she's um, maybe playing off the fact that she knows that Littlefinger is attracted to her and all that. Um, she's starting to come into her own with regards to understanding how she, how that gives her power. How other men being attracted to her gives her the opportunity to get what she wants. And to um, have more agency. Which is pretty exciting considering the kind of character she was at first. When we first introduced to her in the beginning of the series, she's this almost stereotypical you know uh, upscale princessy type that that wants to marry the king and the prince and only cares about gallantry and and things being all shiny and and like the songs she's very naive very much very naive thinks that life is a song and then she goes and lives at king's Landing for a while and (laughs) sees how it really is and has her father's (coughs) head cut off and and to have that shoved in her face and gets mistreated by Joffrey. And that's a learning experience for her, as it would be for just about anyone. And, and even people who aren't... Uh,
1: I mean, they're mistreating her too, but on some level, some people are trying to help her and level with her, Cersei or Littlefinger or whoever. And it's still not a pretty song. Yeah, even <laughs> They're the not saying like, oh, it's just because Joffrey's so bad. But other than that, everything's great. No, 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 no. <laughs> Everyone's a liar. Everything's bad. You better wisen up, you know. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> so, so that's a really... Uh, up in the air situation, the whole the whole north, and there's so many different plots, and it's hard to say how they interact. Will these this stuff with the wildlings and Jon? Will that play? How much of that will play in a role with Stannis? Yeah, what one thing I like to think about is, one thing that Stannis really needs is men. He doesn't have a big army. He lost so many of his men in the Battle of the Blackwater, and he and after a time of of kind of trying to recover and not knowing what to do and sort of half giving up, he gets his he gets the wind in his sails again and. He needs to get an army, and the, the the sources of men around him are the wildlings and the north. He, uh, knowing Stannis, he wants them all. <laughs> uh, well, how he, if he can get them all, I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But the man is determined. He he is he is not uh, he's not a weakling, and he's got capable men with him. He's got Melisandre. has got Davos, and Davos is very likable. Melisandre is very powerful. And he Stannis himself has he's kind of on an upswing right now. Things were looking down for him, now they're looking up again. But Roose Bolton's a dangerous enemy. Roose Bolton is is no pushover. Roose Bolton's the man who basically engineered the downfall of the Starks from within, um and is benefiting greatly but can he hold on to it what do you what do you think what do you have any predictions for ruse bolton and stannis who do you think might come out on top of that who do you think uh do you think that that maybe um this will be a way for like ruse could defeat stannis and that'll be a way for stannis to be out of the picture clearing the way for Daenerys, maybe or do you think that maybe it's more interesting if stannis is, has the north and that is sets up this interesting conflict between him and Daenerys later.
1: Yeah, I, I, we talked about it a little bit before. I feel like Stannis is in a pretty good position. I think I, I think he's in a better position than Roose. I, I think Roose's best play is to join with Stannis. Uh, I feel like this all is sort of ignoring zombies coming, you know, <laughs> yeah. assuming that, uh, that there's just like every, th- most of
0: them are ignoring it. So <laughs> right, right. Uh,
1: but I feel like. Roos isn't going to get support from the South. And, uh. Yeah, they're too busy now. He maybe could handle Stannis, maybe could handle Wildlings, but can't handle both, whether they team up or come at him separately, right? Like, let's say Stannis and Roos don't join up, uh, you know, factor A. In factor B, Stannis tries to get the wildlings to team up with him. If that happens, I feel like they easily just sweep across Roos and maybe the rest of Westeros. But let's say Stannis doesn't team up with Roos and also can't get the wildlings to team up with him. Let me back up. Factor zero before A <laughs> zombies don't attack. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. so say that that you know that I think that leaves Stannis either engaged with the wildlings in a battle that he might come out on top of but not in a way that he could just turn and attack Roos. You know? uh, he might lose, and the Wildlings, probably. what seems most likely is that if the Wildlings are just like totally scattered with no leadership and just stay behind a wall and zombies just come and kill him or don't, then Stannis gets to do whatever he wants, and he gets to turn on his south and Roos, maybe it'll we'll be a close fight. If he gets the Wildlings with him, he's going to easily conquer. Um, if the Wildlings team together and conquer him still, which... Doesn't seem likely. Doesn't seem the directions that they're going in. Doesn't seem like that's what Jon would want to happen. Doesn't seem like that's what Mance wants to happen. Doesn't seem like that's what Melisandre wants to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, so, I, I feel like most likely thing is that Stannis and Wildlings are uh, probably going to team up, and at that point, I don't think Bruce can stand up against them. And I think Bruce's actions in the
0: past make me
1: feel like he's going to join with them, not try to fight them. You know, Bruce,
0: Bruce goes with the flow. Yeah, he doesn't. He, he's 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 ambitious, but he's he's not. uh, That doesn't seem like the type to overreach.
1: Yeah, or ignore reality. Like, yeah, Joffrey would just ignore reality. Cersei can just (laughs) ignore reality. Tywin couldn't. He Tywin recognized. All right, like this Rob kid. I I want to write him off as green, but the fact is, he's winning battles. He's got my son. I have to deal with it seriously. You know, Joffrey just like oh. I'll just go kill him myself. You know
0: Roos like, <laughs> isn't gonna go Bruce isn't gonna do that. You that's know? something that Tywin, Roos, and Stannis seem to all have in common is they're not gonna lie to themselves about what the situation really is. Yeah. They're 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 yeah. good at seeing the bottom line and judging it for what they're it They're grim and proud and realistic. Yes, yes. Very yes, that's a very good way to put it. Okay, so let's move on from the north. There's um basically there's only a couple things we have left to cover. We're gonna cover the veil next but we also want to cover some things that <coughs> seem to not be in the season things that we didn't see in the trailer some things that the you know we're going to discuss their discuss their omissions and that'll be That's all we have left. So real quick, um, as we move into the veil, um, we are, these days, we are partnered with audible.com and you can get a 30-day free trial through historyofwesteros.com slash audible trial and they'll give you a 30-day free trial, like I said, which includes one free download. Today, I want to recommend, since we're about to talk about Littlefinger, how cool is this? Recently, Audible's been doing an ad campaign where they put up a quote and they say, is this quote by Sun Tzu? Or Littlefinger, and it's a promotion for the fact that they are there's now selling uh, the Sun Tzu's Art of War, read by Aidan Gillen, none other than Littlefinger himself. So that sounds really cool, and it is perhaps a good choice for the one free download you get with that 30 day free trial. So you can sign up for that, uh, like I said, at historyofwesteros.com audible trial, and that's a good way to support the show. Anytime, any for every one of you that signs up, we get a little bump, and that helps us put out more episodes. So, uh, let's move back to the Vale, and we'll talk about Littlefinger and what he's got in mind. He seems to have weaseled his way up to the top. He's not noble-born, but he's in the position normally only held by the the most powerful and ancient families. And he is, of course, got Sansa in his clutches, and from, from his perspective, she is the heir to Winterfell. Uh, we know that's not true, but from what most people think, because they don't know Bran is alive, they don't know Rickon is alive, Sansa is the eldest living Stark, and he's got her sort of in his back pocket. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on on the veil vale plot, and where do you think it might be going?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I uh, we kind of see that Littlefinger has stuff that's been in the in the oven for a long time. You yes. know, I wonder what else is still brewing. What are the things he already had set out? Um, by the way. I, I another point I wanted to make a moment ago is, I'm not sure. I wonder how Stannis would react to Danny returning. I uh just going back to that thought of you know what might be more interesting from like a literary standpoint, uh, but also I just wonder about the character Stannis. I because I I have a feeling on some level, if Danny returned, especially with an army and respect and victories and dragons, and said I'm the true heir, I feel like Stannis might say. You're right. I open the knee to you. You know what I mean. I, I don't think it's beyond Stannis to do that. It's uh,
0: possible. I, I I would sort of would doubt that because Stannis is so proud, and he sided with his brother against the Targaryens already. So it would be kind of a flip flop to admit that the Targaryens had the the right to rule. But you know, if Danny is just that overwhelmingly powerful, yeah. perhaps it's, that would be his only choice. On some level, his
1: pride at the moment, like his certainty, is that. He is, like, by the law, he is the da-da-da. But by the law, Robert shouldn't have rebelled, you know what I mean? I, I always feel like there's another side to that. And and there might have been a justification for the rebellion, like on some level, even through bloodlines and religious, you know, reasonings, that the people have to follow, the, you know, the, the leader of some last certain people. Ares wasn't, the Mad King wasn't, but if Danny is... You know, I don't know. There's also um, the
0: patriarchy is a, is an issue as well. That there has never been a ruling queen of Westeros, and that's a bit of a precedent that Stannis oh, is really? aware of. Yes, and so he that is an argument against him accepting her as a ruler because there's never been, yeah, a queen. There's been queens by marriage, but there's never been a queen that was actually a king that had a king consort. That 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 almost happened during the Dance of the Dragons in uh, about 170 years before the start of the books. I'm not sure if the the show timeline has the Dance of the Dragons at the same uh, point in the timeline, but we'll say that, we'll just assume that it is. And we'll say that that precedent has probably been set in the TV show canon as well. Uh, Not 100% sure of that. But it seems to be, that would be an argument against her, and that is certainly an argument that will come up, I think, (laughs) <laughs> when, assuming she ever comes to Westeros, that that will be an argument against, that will be something that, that her opponents will say. It's like, no, we, we're not going to follow a queen. Yeah. We, we don't we do not do that. Well,
1: here's the other th- the thing that I wonder about that. It's what would Melisandre think of this? Because that <laughs> might be just as important as what Stannis thinks of it. I yeah. can imagine if Stannis says, you know what? I can see how you do have a claim to the throne. You've asserted your power. You've proven yourself. I'll bend the knee. And Melisandre's like, actually you're not going to bend the knee to her. <laughs> and he'll be like, I'm not actually going to bend the knee to you. <laughs> and I can also imagine Stannis saying, what, a woman in charge? There's no way I'll stand for this. There's no way the, the lords of Westeros will stand for this. And mm-hmm. Alessandra says, oh yes, they will. You'll stand for this, and so will they. And he'll like, myself and the lords of (laughs) Westeros will bend the knee to you. (laughs) I I can see either of those things happening. Um, uh, I'm not sure which I think would be more interesting or better or more likely. But uh, I just wanted to share that thought that I was having there. But (laughs) before we get on to the veil, veil,
0: what's going on in the veil still, this is this connection point. We're not sure how Sansa's going to get there, what exactly is going to get her to go there. If it's not a marriage, there could be. There's certainly a lot of other possibilities, but there's no need to... I'll just throw out all these random guesses, uh, but the veil itself—interesting situation. We have Littlefinger sort of nominally in charge. His hold on power is a little tenuous. There's a lot of the veil lords. We see them kind of challenging his authority, kind of questioning his his uh, his version of events with Lysa's death. But Sansa backs him up. Uh, they they have, do seem
1: to fall in line. He seems to win them over. He you does know, seem from to win them over. My perspective, it's true. Is <laughs> Certainly there's more than, like, the three people that he interacts with that need to, but I feel like they're choosing them to represent
0: the state of things, you know? That's right. So so he seems to have things pretty well in hand, at least for now. Uh, maybe it's tenuous, but he does have... He is in the driver's seat. Uh, the veil is important. It's particularly important to note that they are really... Uh, the veil as a region, is untouched by the war. They're at full strength. They never... They deployed. never committed troops. They, they never got attacked anywhere. Which is a big finger in Littlefinger's cap. A big thing, finger? A big <laughs> feather in Littlefinger's cap. A big little in Featherfinger's cap. <laughs> and he... Uh, so that that's a bit of a hidden value uh, that's out there. Um, the North is depleted. The Riverlands is depleted. The West is depleted. The Crownlands are depleted. The Reach, not too depleted. Stormlands depleted. Dorne, not too depleted. But... The Vale also completely untouched. So that's a very interesting potential development. We have to we'll have to wait and see what the Vale Knights do, what the Vale Lords do, whether they fall in line with Littlefinger, whether or not Sansa keeps her identity secret, and then there's the small subplot going on in the Vale of Brienne and Podrick looking for Sansa and having just lost their chance on Arya. They Brienne can kind of assume that her. Arya is gone. Maybe we know Arya is gone. She got on a ship.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, actually, I forgot to mention Arya. We'll have to talk about her as well after this. Um, but, so Brienne, but there's a puzzling thing from the trailer. Brienne appears to be standing in a snowstorm at some point in the trailer. Or somewhere in the north, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's possible the snow comes to the Vale or wherever she is, but I think you're right. It's a safer guess that she perhaps follows Sansa to the north. She hears that Sansa goes north. And she knows, Jon
1: Snow's at the Wall, that might be, uh, I don't know if she would even maybe choose to go to the Wall, just, I don't know how defeated she feels, you know, yeah. but, but it's, it makes sense that Sansa might go there, she should go there to check, you know.
0: So, that's that's really interesting, and that is a, um, not something I have a really good idea how to predict, because it's a, it's a a bit of a departure from what happens in the book. So,
1: Aziz, can you give me a list of all the things that you can predict?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be a long list. Um, (laughs) So it's puzzling to kind of guess at what Brienne will do. I do think that a safe bet is that she will focus her attentions on Sansa now that she feels Arya is almost certainly lost to her. Arya had her chance to, to team up with Brienne and didn't take it. She didn't want to, and Brienne knows that. So, Sansa seems like the likely focus. So, I do think that's what's likely to happen. I, I think that Sansa is, some for some reason, probably a wedding going to the north. Brienne finds out somehow, follows her. From the trailers, we see a few other things that Brienne does. We see her fighting some people. And it looks like she's fighting Vale soldiers. Mm. This could be maybe some... Thing where she's getting close to Sansa, and these men try to stop her. Or... They might
1: suspect her being a Lancer, just like Gregor uh, Sandor did. Very good sword.
0: Very good point. She's got the Lannister sword still. She's got a uh, Oathkeeper, and that's uh, you're right. That's what Sandor. That's what so ironic. Her to the
1: name of that sword. That sword is the thing that's stopping her from doing what the sword know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, it's meant to do. Too good.
0: Too good. So yeah, it's a very tangled web <laughs> there. <laughs> So, really curious to see what they do with Brienne and where, if if, if she is indeed in the north, is she going to get inside Winterfell? Is she going to be at this wedding also? Is she going to be welcome there? Is she going to be... What's going to happen with Podrick? Is Podrick going to be with her? Is he? I hope he survives. Well, Podrick's a great little side character, and, and, and he would be... That would be a real tragic thing to have happen, to have Podrick die. Or to have him just not be in the show anymore. Um, maybe he just... Wanders off. Yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> it happening. This
1: show never does tragic things. No, it would be
0: <laughs> unprecedented. <laughs> Completely unprecedented. Um, okay, so do we have anything? Do you have anything more to say about Littlefinger, or Sansa, or the Vale, or Brienne, any of that? Or should we move on? Not particularly. To our we last can move on. Yeah. Okay, so Arya. All right, this is a big, kind of op- wide open door. Uh, she's sailing to what seems to be Braavos. She gives a Braavosi coin to the Braavosi sailor, Braavosi captain. And from the trailers, we see her standing outside this big temple. Looks like this big, these huge doors—one black, one white. Which we, um, the house of black and white is likely what that is. That's something from the books. I won't go into detail what that is. We'll let you guys uh, figure that on your own or be introduced to that on your own. But we do know that the actor cast as Jake and Hagar will be returning. So. Um, quite maybe she'll meet him there. Maybe he'll be there at this building she's going in, or maybe she'll just encounter him at some other place. But it seems like uh, it seems doubtful that she's going to go to Bravo's and then do a lot of other traveling around all in one season. It could happen, no doubt. That, that's certainly possible. But it seems like she's going there to learn, and she might be there a little while. There's some other scenes of her like training and and wearing different clothes and things like that. So it seems like this is her. This is her, you know, she's a young, you know, going on a teenage girl, and uh, this is that kind of training arc, maybe. Like, maybe we'll see a montage of her, you know, (laughs) boxing and training with her sword and doing, you know, like Mr. Miyagi stuff, trying to catch flies with chopsticks and (laughs) all these things like that. But uh, I'm kind of just guessing at that. The the, the presence of Jake and Higar's uh, actor Tom Walishka, I guess is how you say it is a bit of a curveball. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what to make of that, but I can guess that he, that she's going to run into him or run into someone with his face because they do face changing, you know, it doesn't yeah. have to literally yeah. be him. It probably is, but, and he could be, he could first appear as somebody else and then turn into turn this character. Into and, yeah, we don't, we don't know, but it, it, my guess is the way the show likes to streamline and keep things somewhat simple, even though it's a really complicated plot line, all these different is it's still, they like to not be too confusing for TV viewers I'm guessing that she's he's going to be training her. Yeah, you know, it seems like a safe bet. <laughs> uh, is that kind of how you saw it, um, or did you have a different
1: take? Uh, well, I didn't realize that he was in, uh, oh, in the. Oh, you didn't show. know that the yeah. actor that actor was. And it. Uh, I I was sort of assuming she was going to Bravos, and uh, but I I did consider that maybe she's going to the wall to see John, or maybe she's going you know to some other place. But it didn't seem like in the previews didn't seem she's at the wall. She seemed to be in new right, right. new uh areas, uh so which I still kind of assume was Bravos or somewhere in Essos at least. Um and I am kinda of curious what's gonna happen with her character in general, where they're gonna go with that. I don't know how much her storyline in general doesn't seem to be part of the big story arcs. She's more of the she's you know, kind of thing going man on. on the street kind of perspective, right? Right. And um as a kid, kind of hiding out, attached to other characters who often are also sort of hiding out uh, commoner characters, not wealthy and power characters. That's she's... part of why
0: I predict her to be being a, <clears throat> trained on things, because that will yeah. enable her to have more agency within whichever plot line she ends up eventually joining yeah. up with, because you know, she's just a young girl at this point. But she's, it does... she's not like got senses <laughs> arc where she's learning to be a political player, so she's got to be able to get involved some other way.
1: Yeah, it does seem like her story might get... Whereas we have a lot of characters whose stories have been somewhat independent. They end up being crossed into other characters. Like Stannis was a lot kind of on his own. He had his own circle around him. <clears throat> Melisandre and Davos or whatever. But none of them were crossing paths with Tyrion or Jon or whatever, you know. And We had Danny, and she has her own characters kind of surrounding her, Jorah and so on. But they're, they're, those characters aren't crossing paths with Littlefinger or ruse bolton or whatever you know so we have Arya, who has been mixed up with all kinds of the the central characters of course you know ned and her all the, the starks and she spent time in king's landing and interacted with cersei and S- went with
0: sandor syrio pharrell for a while and then she was with tywin for a little while yeah with tywin even yeah yeah she had a bunch of different great uh male counterparts that she would have great conversations with jake and hagar of course as well and
1: but now she yeah. seems to be getting separated from all the other central characters. Yeah, so she's do, do, really... On, she's going tr- off more and more in a way than Danny or John. I mean, she's having. definitely the
0: most isolated character right now. Um, yeah. Bran would probably be the only other, would be the next closest. Um, he's yeah. with other people, but they're, yeah. they're clearly yeah. not the, the focus. Bran is clearly the focus of the yeah. plot line. And Arya is even more clearly the focus of her plot line because she's completely by herself. <laughs> There's either characters that aren't very major or that aren't involved at all. And... She is, yeah, so she, her, her arc is, is, you're right, it's going to be interesting to see how she gets back in the fold and what plot line she could yeah. end up anywhere. She could go to Daenerys, she could go to <laughs> King's Landing and, you know, try to be some sort of, try to murder people or she could... Yeah, you know, she still
1: has her list. That's Yeah, the list. Uh, another thing I'm kind of thinking about from having just read the first book that Danny, right at the end there, she still had it out for, uh, like when she was coming to before she birthed the dragons, but after she, like, awoke and kind of realized, okay, my son's dead. Khaledraldogo is effectively dead. Uh, she's, you know, was asking questions, you know. What happened to the girl? What happened to the girl that I saved? And she's like, oh, Ogo? no, I can't remember. One of the old Iroa. road riders. Huh? Iroa. Iroa? Mego was the name of the... Yeah. Well, so the He book, had claimed was... himself a new call, mm-hmm. took uh, thousands of men with him, and she 's like, "Oh well, that sucks! well, what happened to the the slave girl that I saved oh he raped her and had all his men rape her and slit her throat. She's you're, like,
0: It's called Jaco, is who you're thinking of. Jayco okay, and Mago yeah. became one of his blood riders. Mago is dead in the show, but Mago is okay. alive in
1: the book. She's, she's like, they'll be screaming tears. Screaming, you know, I'm yeah. going to get my revenge. And, and her cost, it was still behind. of like, you don't understand. that He's got his army. He left. What are you going to do? <laughs> you're just a girl. She's like, I'm not just a girl. I'm the mother of dragons. And I'm telling you, he's going to pay before I'm done. <laughs> That seems to be gone to the wayside at this point. I wonder if, in the back of her mind, she's still like, "All right, first marine, and then I'll stop slavery, and then I'll get the Iron Throne, and then I'm gonna make that guy pay for raping that girl." <laughs> uh, you know, I hope she does. I, there's a part of me that does want that to happen still, a lot more so than I want Arya to get her revenge. Because I feel like, on some level, I don't know why. I don't think about it out loud right now, but why is it I more want Danny to get her revenge than Arya? And I, maybe it's because Danny's has enough wisdom to understand what revenge means, where Arya is too innocent to be consumed <laughs> with murder and revenge, you know I don't know, but uh, but, uh I feel like that's a long term thing, whatever's going on with Arya, and I, I like her character enough I'll be interested and in, in have this hope that maybe she won't be going down as dark a road as it seems like she has been but but we'll
0: see, you know very true um, <laughs> it will be very interesting to see, and I agree that she, that her road looks kind of dark um, it, it seems to be paved with uh she seems to be wanting to pave her own road with revenge, and uh, that's kind of a, a dark thing to uh, have for a 12-year-old character, um, <coughs> male or female. Um, it, it's, it's, Bran is younger than her, but his arc is not about revenge. It's about supernatural and being involved in this mm. great big mystery. Uh, Sansa's arc maybe is becoming a bit about revenge, based on the trailer. Littlefinger specifically talking about getting revenge for her family, but uh, she's all oh, she's not in a position to get revenge just yet. Um, although by the time she goes to Winterfell perhaps she will be so let's see we're, we're going to wrap things up here we've um, got of, a, couple of, um, a couple of a couple of few things to cover here before we wrap it up um, something we
1: started talking about a minute ago that we got sidetracked from is what wasn't in the trailer what did we oh, not yeah. see who okay, has so not been featured we didn't more?
0: see we saw just a second of Theon um, we didn't see any hint of Asha or sorry Yara uh, or the Iron Islands anything to do with the Greyjoys um we didn't really see any of that yeah go, going way back multiple seasons
1: at this point i i let's see the red wedding was at the end of season two and so for season three it was also in season two when melisandre threw those leeches in a fire Yeah,
0: balon gradually the
1: usurper balon the usurper <laughs> uh rob the usurper joffrey, joffrey. Yeah. so we see joffrey go down we see rob go down and I've been, I just thought for sure, season three, we're gonna see Balon go down. And plus, Walter Frey needs to get, needs to see what he's got coming to him. Well, season three, they didn't do that. And I'm like, all right, well, they'll get it in season four. No, not season four either. And none of that in the previews for season five. So is Balon just escaping unharmed? Is he, maybe Balon's gonna be the king,
0: you know? Uh, <laughs> maybe it'll be a sneak but it'll be coming back in the next a season. A couple other loose ends like that, like Gendry. Still rowing his rowboat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's coming? Still rowing. We have uh, Blackfish, uh, you know, Br- uh, Ed Muir's uncle who who escaped the Red Wedding. Yeah, yeah. They, they, even they and they and they clearly have something in mind for that because they made sure we noticed that why, by having Roose Bolton and Walder Frey talk about Bring it. Bring like, it back Black up again. Fish got away. Yeah. And Walder Frey's like, eh, I don't care. And Bolton's like, kinda, right. You can kind of get the idea that Bolton's like. You should probably care about that. He's not my <laughs> problem, so because uh, 'cause I'm going back north and he's definitely not gonna be a problem for me. Yeah. Um so that's an interesting point where what happens with the blackfish. And of course, another character that we didn't talk about at all, um, who was in another area is Jorah Mormon. Jorah Mormont was driven off Well, we did see him in the trailer. We trailers. do see him in the trailer. He appears to be gladiating. Oops, yeah, okay. So, so we do see that yeah. fighting pit at the end, it looks like a fighting pit that Danny is surrounded by the yeah. the Sons of the Harpy. Um, Jorah maybe is trying to get back into Danny's good graces by becoming a pit fighter, by fighting in the pit, or maybe he just gets captured and sent to the pit. Um, Jorah as a pit fighter should be interesting. I imagine that uh, he probably won't just die in the pit; it could happen, but I imagine he'll do some winning first. If that hopefully, is how it's goes. at
1: least some martyrdom to it or something. You know, yeah. But, but he also maybe I don't has really a chance to. That, yeah, yeah
0: he, perhaps it's a chance for him to. <coughs> Do something to win Danny's favor and get back in her good. Maybe races.
1: a point of contact. He's already had relations with Varys. You know yeah, what I mean? so that's true. Or maybe he becomes
0: her enemy. Maybe he does. You know, goes. I wouldn't guess that because he was in love with her. Yeah, I wouldn't him. guess it either. And he and he seems genuinely. Like, he doesn't seem like the kind that would, given the given what we know about how his previous wife experienced with his previous wife, he. Never stopped loving her, even when she turned on him. Even when she like left him for another man who had money, uh, he didn't stop loving her. So he doesn't seem like the type to, to, to have love turn to hate because it's not reciprocated. He seems the type to pine. Or, or to, to act trying. out of spite, either. Yeah, yeah he, he,
1: He's the kind to keep trying. He seems like <laughs> a man of honor who's made mistakes and wants to amend for the mistakes. Even if he might make more mistakes, but his mistake isn't going to be to hate Danny. You know? Yeah, his
0: love... Uh, <clears throat> The point about him being a man of honor is he, also he, his, his love is stronger than his honor. Because <laughs> yeah. it was his, lo- his love for his previous wife that drove him to throw away his honor, <laughs> basically. Um, and, but, and it was his love for Daenerys that prevented him from uh, helping murder her. Yeah. Which, by the way, is an, another confusing point to deal with Varys and, and understanding his motivations from a show viewer's point of perspective. If he's trying to bring Tyrion to her to lead to be an advisor and to help put her on the throne, what what was the deal with trying to poison her, or what was did he yeah. know that Jorah would stop it? Did he did did he did he figure out Jorah's psychology that accurately? That or, or is but isn't that too much of a risk to take? Yeah. It's also, maybe, very... maybe the
1: plan has changed. Maybe what he perceives as being best of own changes over time. Like maybe at the point when Ned is there to kind of reel Robert in, he's like, okay, when he thinks Robert's just this wild man on the throne, and he's got to do something about Robert. Let's get, let's get Visarus or Danny over here. At least they're a known evil. At least they'll try to rule. Robert's just doing whatever he wants. But when Ned comes, so then he's like, see what I'm saying? But then yeah. when Ned comes and things are more stable, he's like, all right, with Ned here, maybe Robert's not so bad. Maybe even... Things will get set up. Did, I wonder if Varus thought that he... It is a little confusing what he was trying to do in a But also, round. well, here's a... Here's a or was keep... it even... Varus... We kind of give Varus credit for doing that, but maybe Littlefinger was behind that as much as Varus. I, I don't know.
0: Well, there's the other thing... The other point to keep in mind is that whatever Varus' plans were from the beginning... They had to have changed yeah. at the point yeah. where Danny had dragons. That is a big game changer that nobody at all predicted. Yeah. Nobody could have yeah. known that was going to happen. Yeah. No matter how clever and, and ahead of the game Varus and guys like Littlefinger are, they didn't see the dragon's hat. They did not predict yeah. the dragon's hat. They probably them. don't predict zombies coming either, by the way. <laughs> very true. And they may not be much aware of that even. But yeah. they're, the dragons' word, word seems to be spreading about that. Um, and certainly virus knows about that but yeah, yeah. The, the whites and the one and the, and the white walkers yeah a lot of that's still, that's still a lot of ignorance about what's going on up there <laughs> there's a there's a lot of people who probably poo-poo they the notion of, of that they would probably just say oh that's they're just telling stories it's just there's even snarks. they even
1: understand the ulterior motivation there that the people on the wall just want more people on the wall yep so they're gonna say yeah there are zombies in there but the people in the west Stories from all around, everyone, think of the diversity of people who are seeing the dragons yeah. and reporting on it. They don't all have some ulterior yeah, There's no way all the people have
0: right. been bribed. Or, yeah. know, that, that's legitimate buzz. It's, it it's got to be real. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see when the, the King's Council and such start discussing what to do about that. The last time they talked about Daenerys with any sort of, you know, uh, at all, I, th- I guess, was when Robert was like, we have to kill her. Ned had and and, of course Ned resigned being hand over that over that whole thing so they're gonna have to start thinking about her again at some point they're gonna have to be aware that she's a threat now of course we talked Tywin mentioned in the last season he's like we're not worried about dragons at the other end of the world you know but they're not gonna be at the other end of the world forever forever." yeah It's only a matter of when. Um, and I guess it's fair to say that it doesn't necessarily seem to be happening this season, but maybe by the end of the season we might see some movement towards that. That would definitely be the kind of thing that they would not necessarily want to... Show um, us right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, that could yeah. be the kind of thing they'd want to keep secret. But it might just be for a future season. Okay, so let us wrap things up here. Um, thanks to Sean for joining us as a guest today. Sean will be rejoining us for the rest of the season. Uh, Shaya will be back as well for some of the TV episodes. She'll be kind of in and out. We've also got some other guests planned. We're going to have the folks from Radio Westeros join us for some discussions, uh, mostly on the spoilery side of things. We're going to be breaking our TV show discussions kind of into two parts. There'll be discussions with Sean uh, from an Unsullied perspective. Uh, we're going to s- kind of stick to the show material as much as possible, not deal too much with spoilers. But we're also going to have... The our counterpart episodes, which will be basically TV discussion for book readers. So we're going to parallel the books as much as possible. Discuss the differences. Discuss changes. Discuss the books being overtaken by the show, which we've had a lot of discuss uh, a lot of requests for us to talk about that. So we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and take care of that this season. Um, so of course we, we've got a lot to look forward to over the next twelve to thirteen weeks of season five. Feel free to email us at WesterosHistory at gmail.com if you have questions or if you have things you want us to address regarding this season. Uh, look out for our regular episodes, our regular history episodes, and our regular other types of History of Westeros episodes that we've got out there. We've got Black, we're have got we doing uh, the Blackfire Rebellions a lot right now. We've got a recent episode on Septon Barth that you might want to check out. And of course, we're going to be doing all kinds of TV show episodes That's going to be uh, more History of Westeros than you can handle over the next couple (laughs) of months. So good luck with all that, and thanks for listening. We will see you all next time. Valar Morgulis.